Welcome to Dharma If You Dare. Today's recording comes from Doug Duncan and Catherine Poissarat's 2019 online course, Riding the Dragon. In this talk, Doug and Catherine discuss how to free ourselves from the B-movie of our lives, the flat storylines caused by our attachment to the familiar. They explain that when the ego is seen as a tool rather than who we are, we are finally able to access true creativity. This recording is a continuation of a talk on quantum versus adaptive creativity. To better understand these terms, check out episode 3 of season 3. Next month, Doug and Catherine will be in Los Angeles for the Conscious Life Expo. While in LA, they will also be teaching at various locations around the city. Planning to be in the LA area in February? For more details, go to planetdharma.com LA2020. And now here's today's recording. If you want to transcend the suffering in your life, you have to go back to the emptiness. You have to go back to the spaciousness. You will not resolve the suffering in your life by manipulating, controlling, and rearranging the objects. It will we were, work. We were talking at lunch today. There's the kind of B movie of me, right? There's that not very good movie that we just play again and again and again and again. So we've got to get a new movie Right? Create a new movie. We've got to create the movie is going to be really good and that we want to see. And, and to do that, we've got to challenge ourselves and go to places we haven't gone before. Another way to put it is the ego. That means you and me and everybody else. We're typecast. <laughs> right? We've been typecast into a B movie. And we keep playing the same roles over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and we wonder why we're bored or we're restless or there's something missing in our life. And it's because the, the ego does not want to step out of itself imaging habitual patterns because it's afraid that it's going to fail or not succeed or it's going to hurt or you're going to something bad is going to happen and i think you need to put in your imagination no 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 something good is going to happen so generally speaking by definition the ego doesn't like emptiness mind because when we're in that feeling of spaciousness the ego is not really present and the ego is kind of a control freak and likes lots of attention so the ego is always resisting surrendering into spaciousness and this is just something that we all need to learn to work with now the ego is a fantastic tool That's because right. the purpose of the ego is to focus the question so if your question is just feeding back into the same object loops, you're going to get more or less the same answers coming back to you over and over again. But we maintain that if you ask the question behind the question, then you move into the emptiness. That question takes you into the spaciousness and allows for that intuitive knowledge, allows for that quantum creativity to bring you new data, new information that can reshape and reform a lot of your adaptive creativity and get you out of the suffering that the struggle of the adaptive creativity getting stuck in its loops. That's right. The eye can take this imaging from the void and then put it to work and create things. It can create physics. It can create science. It can create an apple pie. It can create a new variety of asparagus. It can do anything. And so when we get into this realm, we apply the quantum realization, like for instance, the sun is the center of the solar system, then we can use that and adapt all sorts of things 
about how the world works, the moon, the tides, gravity, etc., etc., etc. Using Galileo as an example, he knew he was in danger of being excommunicated for claiming that all the planets went around the sun. So I'd say his adaptive creativity was he found very clever ways to keep proposing his theory, but in such ways that he would not necessarily get into trouble. Ultimately unsuccessful, I think, but but it was interesting what he went through to do that. I like your example about relationships. So if the quantum creativity in that is realizing that if we're looking for something in another person to make us whole, then it's by its very nature not going to work. Yeah, That's I, the kind of quantum realization. I say that because we can know that intellectually, but when, when we really feel it to be true for ourselves, that's quite a different matter. Yeah. What were you well, I'm just going to add the fact that the universe is in relationship with everything all the time. So the idea of a special relationship is in the realm of adaptive creativity. In terms of quantum creativity, the understanding is that in a sense there is no relationship because the totality of everything is totally in relationship with itself. Right. Right? Yeah. So adaptive creativity says, okay, if I understand that I am in total relationship with the universe as it is, then whatever I do in the relative world is adaptive creativity. Is how does this relationship with Duncan represent my understanding of the totality that we're both in as neither Duncan nor Doug? And then adaptive creativity says we can make this relationship work because we're coming from the totality aspect, not from like Duncan's from England and Sensei's from Canada and, you know, whatever the ups and downs of all that is. That's right. So quantum creativity is more from the level of absolute truth. And then adaptive creativity is more the level of relative truth that we live in day to day. And this is where the ego comes in. The ego has been built to manage adaptive creativity. It has not been built to realize quantum creativity. You can't realize quantum creativity from the perspective of the ego. Once it's happened at the quantum level, the ego jumps in and puts it to work, makes it function, invents, discovers, alters, adapts. The ego is not built to handle spaciousness, the totality. The ego is built to manage and manipulate and control the objects that arise from there. And it's possible for the ego to do a good job at that. It is. I just want to emphasize that the ego is not the bad guy here. No, the ego is a great tool. It just needs tool. to be in its proper function. I guess you could say the ego is a bit like a car. It gets you where you want to go. It gets you from here to there. It's a functional tool. It's not who you are. That's right. Basically, the ego is terrified of anything outside its control, which is why we keep shutting ourselves down into object consciousness, because we're terrified of the spacious emptiness of the absence of the ego. But the thing is, is nature has built the ego. And since the nature has built the ego, you're not going to lose your ego in meditation because the nature of the ego has been built to acknowledge the meditation. It's an integral part of the totality. So as soon as you get into a totality experience, a spaciousness experience, the ego is going to jump right in and say, hey, I see that. Let me make a note of that. I want to do something with that. That's right. Just thinking of how they say that I think Starbucks whole branding thing is based on the fact that, or or they say that people want to know what kind of coffee that they're going to get. And so that's kind of Starbucks guarantee is that no matter where you are in the world, you can go to a Starbucks and you know what kind of coffee you're going to get, right? That's really kind of a bummer, right? That you kind of, when you're in Turkey, don't you want Turkish coffee or in Greece, you want Greek coffee or... 
in Costa Rica, you want Costa Rican coffee, maybe you can get those things. I can understand that too. Sometimes you just want a cup of coffee and you feel kind of relief, you know. But it's that, that desire for control. Capitalism is based on this fact about the ego. We will give you complete control. You can have exactly the kind of coffee that you want anywhere in the world. It's a big system. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the ego's job. That's what it's on about. But unfortunately, if that's your sole reference point, as we said before, you're going to end up in suffering because one day that Costa Rican coffee isn't going to be there and you're going to have to settle for Colombian and you're going to just be miserable. The spiritual path heals the addiction to perceiving illusion, object-identified consciousness, as the ultimate reality. That's its function. It's believing that our self or our stuff is the ultimate reality, that there's nothing beyond that. That's kind of a small world. There is a writer, poet, philosopher named G.K. Chesterton, British man. And he said, the traveler sees what he sees. The tourist sees what he has come to see. So we need to recognize that our ego structures, that our conditioning, our social patterning, who we think we are when we are being us, is a tourist. Mm -hmm. We see what we expect to see. We see what we want to see. We don't see necessarily what is. And what you want to do in a spiritual path is become a traveler. You want to see what is rather than seeing what you expect to see. So our name for the awakening mind could be angel. Chesterton also said, the angels fly because they take themselves lightly. Now, one thing the ego doesn't do is it doesn't take itself lightly. I know. Have you ever noticed that? If you look at your ego, you'll probably find that there's all sorts of time during the day and the week where you don't take yourself lightly it's very serious. Because it's real. That's right. <laughs> or, you know, Dante, Dante said in the Paradiso, right, the song of the angels sounds like the laughter of the universe. So that's another big tool you want, is you want to be able to laugh. So on cue, one, two, three, ha, 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 
and you get smarter because you have to learn to adapt to an openness in your being that you normally don't have because food and sex is where we tend to put it back in the box. And, and you can be really efficient and do them both. You can the do them the same time. time. <laughs> you can have a sexual food orgy. orgy. <laughs> And the reason they work is because they're both heavily socially structured behaviors or events that are highly, highly dependent on our self-image. So by breaking out a bit on that one, you're breaking out of your social conditioning a little, you're breaking out of your self-imaging a little, and this will open the door for more creative potentialities. Remember, the ego is very lazy. Likes to rest on what it's already experienced. That. B movie makes for a bad movie. And we say experience rather than know because the ego is quite happy to know more stuff, but all within the range of its own experience that it's already experienced. And so that's why we encourage people to, to do the challenges, to push our envelopes, our comfort zones. Experience something new. Yeah, that gives us the feed that helps our imagination and our creativity. A few methods to create a creative life. Number one, we've talked about it again and again and again. Embrace question. Spend more time questioning than you do answering. This will really foster your creativity. Spend more time asking questions than having answers. So I remember sitting in a class one day with my teacher, Namjo Rinpoche, fantastic human being, amazing teacher. And he said, so what's your question? And people would say, well, what are the five skandhas? Or what is the nature of mind only? Or what are the paramis? Or you know, what are the four noble truths? And, and he said, oh, you guys all know all that already. And he turned to me, I was sitting where Marty's sitting. He turned to me and said, what's your question? And I said, what is happening? And he said, that is the question you should be asking. So rather than having an answer to everything, why not embrace the idea that you have no idea what's going on and you don't need to know what's going on, that you can work it out in the process of not knowing what's going on. You might come up with new ideas, new options, new directions, and new ways of inventing. I think it's a good idea. I think that's a good idea too. Inculcating great question takes you out of convention and conventionality rests on the known and it rests on the ego structures and the relationships. So you keep getting pulled back into that same cycle of the familiar. That same old limiting self-image. So this is also why spiritual centers are necessary because they give you a location and opportunity to step out of the known, to step out of the convention. And so all spiritual centers should be unconventional. All spiritual centers should challenge conventionality, not as a negative or aggression, but as an opening, as a possibility. So when religious communities or spiritual communities get conventional, they've lost their reason for being, and that becomes religion. Yeah, and the people in them too. And the people in them. So the etymology of the word spirit relate to animating our vital principle, soul, courage, vigor, and breath. To breathe. Spirit, so respiration. Respiration. Aspiration. Spirit. Aspiration. Gosh, perspiration? I wonder. No, that must be. That must be. Oh, you got to sweat. <laughs> so this is, it is related to spirare, respiration, to breathe. And that's why breathing meditation is such a profound way to 
connect with our spirit. Another great way to contact creativity is to remember, like Goethe said, the famous German philosopher poet, a person who does not know the history of the last 3,000 years wanders in the darkness of ignorance, unable to make sense of the reality around him or her. So we would add a codicil to that and say that a person who does not know the nature of spaciousness and the nature of the gap wanders in ignorance, not knowing the nature of reality. So you got that. Be curious. Curiosity is wonderful. Laugh, have humor. Humor is fantastic. Ask impossible questions and have impossible friends. Don't surround you with people who are just like you. No. Have broad exposure to different cultures, different ideas, different ways of thinking, different kinds of people. Meet the shadow. Go have a look at the dark side. Find out what's in there that you're so terrified of. And again, as Goethe said, soon as you know who you are, and he meant awaken, you know how to live. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review Dharma If You Dare on Apple Podcasts to help more people find and benefit from these teachings. And don't forget to subscribe to get episodes and bonus content sent directly to your device. If you find the teachings of Planet Dharma resonate and are wondering how to explore them further, we recommend our free online course called Wake Up! Four Paths to Spiritual Awakening. This self-study course gives an introduction to the main approaches that Doug and Catherine employ with students to help them find their speediest path to spiritual awakening. You can learn more and register for free by visiting planetdharma.com slash wakeup. See you next time, and may all our efforts benefit all beings.